بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله الكريم نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد So we'll have a quick recap of our previous lesson In this particular narration the Messenger عليه الصلاة والسلام He mentioned several matters that encourage us towards ibadah encourage us towards uh, dhikr Allah's Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam he mentioned in this hadith At-tuhur shatrul iman purification is half of iman walhamdulillahi tamla'ul mizan alhamdulillah fills the scales wa subhanallahi walhamdulillahi tamlani aw tamla'u ma bayna samai wal ard and subhanallah and alhamdulillah they fill that which is between the heavens and the earth. Wasalatu nur. Salah is a nur. Salah is a light. Wasadaqatu burhan. Sadaqah is a proof. Wasabru diya. Sabr, patience, is a light. Walquranu hujjatun lak aw alayk. And the Quran is a proof for you or against you. Kullun nas yaghdu. Faba'i'un nafsah. All people they go out, meaning they go out in the morning, selling themselves. So they either free it, meaning they free themselves, free their souls, or they destroy their souls. Tamam. In relation to this statement of Allah's Messenger, alayhi salatu wasalam, Alhamdulillah. تملأ الميزان وسبحان الله والحمد لله تملاني وتملأ ما بين السماء والأرض. What does this refer to? الحمد لله fills the scales. And الحمد لله وسبحان الله سبحان الله والحمد لله fill that which is between the heavens and the earth. What is that in reference to? Filling that which is in between the heavens and the earth with what? Reward. This is an indication of the immense reward of making tasbih. Making tahmid of Allah Jalla wa'ad. Glorifying Allah, praising Allah. Which of the two is the most virtuous? Which of the two is the most virtuous? Glorifying Allah or praising Allah? Both of them are virtuous, but, but which of the two is more virtuous? Glorifying Allah or praising Allah? Praising Allah, why? What is glorifying Allah? Or more specifically, what is tasbih? To negate deficiencies from Allah. Tasbih, say subhanallah, is to negate deficiencies from Allah. Whereas alhamdulillah is to affirm praise of Allah. And the principle is, is that affirming is more virtuous than negating. Affirming is more virtuous than negating. And because of the fact that hamd consists of affirming attributes for Allah Jalla wa'az, whereas tasbih, glorification, that denotes negating deficiencies from Allah, because of that fact, hamd carries greater praise, uh, carries greater virtue than tasbih, or tahmid carries greater virtue than tasbih. And this narration here, therefore, should encourage, uh, encourage us in making Dhikr of Allah Jalla wa'az in general. It should encourage us in making dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
Here we have found that by praising Allah, by saying Alhamdulillah, by saying Subhanallah, the whole area between the earth and the heavens has become filled with reward. And for that reason you find the righteous people, pious people, ulama, you find them being engaged in the dhikr of Allah Jalla wa'al. Allah's Messenger والسلام, he said to um, he said he advised one of his companions لا يزال لسانك رطبا بذكر الله عز وجل أو كما قال عليه الصلاة والسلام Do not allow your tongue to cease being engaged in the remembrance of Allah عز وجل For that reason you will find Sheikh Abdul Aziz ibn Baz it is said about him when he's in the classroom delivering his lecture Everybody's heard of Sheikh Abdul Aziz ibn Baz, the Imam of this era. Sheikh Abdul Aziz ibn Baz, he's inside the classroom delivering his lecture. When the students are asking him questions in the lecture theatre, when the students are asking him questions, do you know what Sheikh Abdul Aziz ibn Baz is reported to, reported to have been doing? Aywa, he's been reported to have been engaged in dhikr, reported to have been engaged in making dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, making istighfar, saying la hawla wa la quwata illa billah, wa hakadha. Sheikh Abdul Aziz ibn Ubaaz, this, this is what has been reported concerning him. Likewise, Sheikh Rabi' Sheikh Rabi' ibn Hajj al-Madkhali, if you go visit him, you'll find him. When it is the case that he's not speaking, you'll find him being engaged in making istighfar from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, seeking forgiveness from Allah uh, and like this, you'll find the scholars, when it is the case that they're not speaking, if you notice, you'll find their tongues moving. Moving saying what? Moving doing what? Making dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this statement of the Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam is an encouragement towards making dhikr. Allah's Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam, he said, Salah is a nur, Salah is a light. A light concerning what? Huh? Very good. It's a form of yani, salah is a nur. Nur as far as guidance is concerned. What else? Hmm? Very good. Uh, brightness in terms of your face. Any yani, physical nur upon your face. Protection. What else? Okay. Any yani, guidance? Any guidance as far as your uh, nur as far as your uh, guidance is concerned, nur as far as your spiritual guidance is concerned, is it limited to this life? Nur in this life? No, nur in your grave. Nur when you go inside of your grave, is it going to be dark? Is it going to be dark and gloomy? You can't see anything when you're in your grave. No, there's going to be nur in your grave as a result of your salah. Yawm al qiyamah. Yawm al-Qiyamah, there'll be zulumat, there'll be darknesses. Is it the case that if, that if you were a man, a woman who prayed in this life, you're going to find darkness on that date? No, nur on Yawm al-Qiyamah, nur upon the Sirat, when you're passing over the fire of hell into, the, into paradise. How do we know that Salah is a nur in anything and everything? How do we know that? How does this wording, <clears throat> found in this hadith indicate that salah is nur in everything 
But here it says Salah is Noor. Very good. The Messenger did not mention it in a restricted, limited manner. He did not say Salah is the light for such and such. Light for such and such. But rather he mentioned it unrestrictedly. And when, it is, and when something is mentioned unrestrictedly, then it implies it implies that it is all inclusive. It implies that it is absolute. It implies that it applies to it implies that it applies to everything. So salah is nur for you. Nur in terms of your heart. Nur in terms of your body. Nur in terms of your guidance. Nur in terms of your face. Nur in terms of your grave. Nur in everything. Sadaqah is a Burhan the Messenger said. Sadaqah is an evidence. Evidence for what? Proof. For what? Hmm? Proof of your Iman. How is it a proof of your Iman? The Messenger said, Sadaqah, charity, is a proof of Iman. How? Huh? It's difficult to give. The soul naturally inclines towards wealth, and therefore it finds it difficult to depart from wealth. So when you're going to give something, in charity, if you're going to give something towards a charitable cause where there is no material benefit, right? It's not like you're putting it in some type of, it's not like it's for shares, where you're going to get some type of material um, benefit from it. But you're going to give it in a path where you're not going to get any, phys any material uh, benefit from it, then this is a proof of the truthfulness of your, of your Iman. Then the messenger said, Sabr diya, sabr is a diya, sabr is a light. What is the difference between this statement, sabr is a diya, and the former statement when the messenger said, as-salatu nur, salat is a nur. Nur, diya, they are both translated as light. What's the difference? The messenger said, salat is light, and patience is light when you translate it. But when you go back to the actual Arabic, Salah is Noor, Sabr is Dhiya. Both of them can be translated as light. So what is the difference between the two? Yeah? No, L-I-G-H-T. Okay, so there's a noor that is hot and therefore it, what does it do? Huh? It burns. It burns. So there is a light that burns and then there is a light that doesn't burn. It just provides illumination. So which of the two is the light that burns? Salat noor? Diya, yeah. Diyā is the light that is described as the light that has an element of burning, of being able to burn something. Whereas Nūr is the light that is nothing other than, other than the provision of illumination. It illuminates, it lights something up. It doesn't necessarily, doesn't burn. Which is the one, which is the one that uh, describes Salah? Which is the one that describes Salah? Which type of light describes the Salah? 
Nur, the light that does not burn, the light that just provides illumination, which is the light that is the adjective for sabr. Diya, the light that burns, the light that burns. Then there's an ayah that proves this definition, that is an evidence of this definition. Do you remember the ayah? Huwa alladhi Huwa alladhi ja'ala shamsa Dhiya'a wal qamara Noora Huwa alladhi ja'ala shamsa Dhiya'a wal qamara Noora He is the one Allah Jalla wa Ala He is the one That has made The sun As a Dhiya'a A light That has an element of burning He's made the moon As a noor He's made the moon As a noor As a light and we know that the moon does not have any element of burning, of causing burn, right? So stand in front of the moon all night long. It's not going to give you a suntan. You can stand in front of the sun for a few hours, and if you're like me, you're going to get sunburn. Okay. So now, how is that relevant? How is the fact that the prayer has been described as a light, a light that doesn't burn, Whereas the act of patience has been described as a light, but a light that has an element of burning. Why? That's right. Salah is easy to perform. Salah is, in fact, coolness to the eye of the believer. A believer doesn't experience oh, difficulty and hardship and agony by praying. Rather, it is meant to be the opposite. Whereas patience, by the very fact that you're having to exercise patience, is difficult. It is going to have an element of toil and labor associated with it. Huh? But, in and up, but for the believer who has iman, the righteous man, the salah is meant to be a coolness for his eyes. But sabr, well, you have to be patient. Your father has died. There is an element of burning in your soul. You have, um, you have experienced a decrease in your income. Okay? You were receiving X amount of wealth for a period of years and now gone down. Uh, the income is now being, you have a quarter of what you were receiving before in terms of income there is a element of burning you could say patience that you have to endure that patience is a burning sensation eh? like for example when people go to the gym they go to the gym and they lift weights and there's an element of hardship and difficulty that they have to uh, go through endurance that they have to put themselves through in order to get past that weight and what have you so the same thing applies with patience as far as sabr against the aqdar uh, of Allah is concerned. Sabr in ta'ah of Allah, in obedience to Allah. Sabr in keeping away from ma'asi. These things, they, are, they require, they require uh, a patience that is difficult at times. For that reason, the Messenger والسلام, described sabr as diya. For that reason, he described it as diya, diya, which is a light, a light. Has an element of burning to it. Is that understood?
Next to Messenger, he said, Well, Quran The Quran is either a proof for you or against you. The Quran, the reason why it was revealed was why? So that people can act upon it, reflect over it. Who said reflect? Very good. Quran was revealed. The verse reads that the Quran was revealed so that people may reflect over the ayat in the Quran, the signs, the evidences contained within the Quran. The point of the revelation of the Quran, the primary objective behind the revelation of the Quran was not for the mere recitation of the Quran. Most people today from amongst the Muslimun, most people from the Ummah, when they think of the, when they think of the Quran, they think of the, the act of reciting. They think of, yes, it is something that we take out and we recite to get reward by way of reciting it. Or to some people, it is like a mantelpiece. The Quran is a, something that you put on your uh, fireplace or you put on your shelf or you put on an elevated place in your house, like a piece of decoration, like an ornament. To some people, the Quran, that is what is its usage is. The recitation of it, when an event occurs, when a calamity strikes, okay, I need to recite the Book of Allah. Or they'll go beyond that and they'll use it as a means of committing an act of innovation. Quran Khwani and things like this. Huh? Or when Khatam and things like this. Or when somebody dies, they'll say, at the anniversary of the death of my father, all of his relatives were going to get together and we're going to take the Quran off the shelves and we're going to recite. So that isn't the point of the Quran, like the scholars have mentioned. Say Sheikh Saleh Al-Fawzan, he says, Tajweed, it is good. A person should learn Tajweed. People think, however, that the whole purpose behind the Quran is to learn Tajweed. The whole reason behind, or, or the, rather the whole uh, purpose behind the Quran is to make idgham, is to make the qalqala, is to make the mad. That's the whole purpose behind the revelation of the Quran. If you've locked down your tajweed, then you've locked down the objective behind the Qur'an. No, that isn't the purpose behind the Qur'an. A person who recites the Qur'an, but he does not know, where do I make the mad? He does not know, where do I make the qalqala, the echoing sound? He does not know, where do I make the ghunna, the nasalization, and so on. He doesn't know the ahkam of tajweed. However, when he recites it, he contemplates over it. When he recites it, he reflects over it. When he recites it, he puts it into practice. He implements it. That person is implementing the reason behind the Quran's revelation. Even though he does not know the uh, uh, rules of Tajweed, and he doesn't know the sifat, the characteristics of the letters, he recites it as best as he can. He still gets a reward for each letter that he recites and reward for each letter that he recites. But he's not able to recite it with Tajweed. This person, because of the fact that he's contemplating over it, reciting over it by thinking as to what he's reciting, and then he's acting upon what he's reciting, ah, he's achieved the objective. 
So when a person realizes that, when a person realizes that the Qur'an, it has been revealed in order for a person to act upon it, to believe in the information that is contained within it, to act upon the con- commands that are contained within it, to keep away from the prohibitions that are contained within it, that is the person that has recited the Qur'an, that is the person that has recited the Qur'an truly as it's meant to be recited. And thus, the, and thus the Messenger ﷺ, he said, the Qur'an is either a proof for you or a proof against you. Qur'an has been revealed. In it are evidences. Evidences as to why you're in this world. Evidences as to what is going to happen to you when you leave this world. Evidences concerning what you're meant to do in this world. So all of the evidences are there. If you live by those evidences, then the Qur'an is going to be a proof for you when you're resurrected in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you don't believe in those evidences, if you go against those evidences, if you don't live this life in accordance to those evidences, then all of this Qur'an, all of that which is contained within the Qur'an is going to be a proof against me. It's going to be a proof against you in the afterlife when you're raised in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is part number six. Part number seven is concerning the statement of the Messenger والسلام, all people go out selling themselves and so they either free themselves, free their, free their souls or they destroy their souls. The meaning behind this, Shaykh Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad, he says, is that everybody wakes up in the morning and then they go out meaning they proceed towards doing something. Everybody gets up, proceeding towards doing something, proceeding towards some type of pursuit, proceeding towards some type of actions. As a result of those actions, as a result of those pursuits, they will either end up liberating their souls, freeing their souls, or they'll end up destroying their souls. How do you free your soul? How do you liberate your soul? Everybody goes out and you sell your soul. Everybody goes out in the morning and they are in pursuit of a certain uh, action. They are occupied and engaged in certain actions. Those actions that they are engaged in, they represent you selling yourself. It's inevitable when you get up in the morning. It's inevitable when you go out in the morning. It's inevitable when you get up that you are selling your soul. But you either sell your soul to Allah or you sell your soul by destroying your soul in committing evil. Everybody is going to sell their soul. Everybody is selling their soul when they get up. But either you are selling your soul to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by doing what Allah wa is telling you to do. By believing in what Allah has commanded you to believe in. Or you sell your soul by committing sin. You sell your soul by believing in that which Allah has told you not to believe in. And as a result of that, you have destroyed your soul. As a result of that, you have risked your soul being punished in the hereafter. Part number eight is a summary of the benefits of this hadith. 
Point number one. Bayan Fadlul Tuhur. In this hadith, the virtue of purification has been highlighted. The Messenger والسلام, he said, purification is half of Iman. That therefore shows to us how virtuous wudu is. Wudu is something very virtuous. So next time when I'm making wudu, next time you're making wudu, think about how virtuous this act is. The Prophet described it as being half of Iman. That's right, yeah. That's right. That's right. So next time when you're making wudu, bring to mind the great virtue of this act that the Prophet ﷺ described it as being half of Iman. Number two. In this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ highlighted the virtue of tahmid and tasbih. In this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ highlighted the virtue of tahmid and tasbih, praising him, glorifying him. Number three, in this hadith, belief in the mizan, the scales on Yawm al-Qiyamah. And the weighing of the and the weighing of the actions has been mentioned, has been affirmed. In this hadith, the fact that there are gonna be scales set up to weigh our deeds has been mentioned. It has been affirmed that scales shall be set up to weigh our deeds on Yom al Qiyamah. Number four. In this hadith, the virtue of the prayer has been highlighted. Salah. The virtue of salah has been highlighted and that it is light in the dunya and, and in the afterlife. Number five. In this hadith, the virtue of sadaqah, the virtue of charity has been highlighted. And that charity is a, is a alama, it is a sign, an indication of your iman. Number six, in this hadith, the virtue of patience has been mentioned. And that patience is a diya, is a light. An enduring light, mind you, but still a light. It is a light for the patient ones. Number seven. In this hadith, there is an encouragement to give importance to the Quran. If you ever want to think of a hadith, in which there is encouragement to give importance to the Qur'an, this is one of those ahadith. This is a hadith in which there is encouragement towards giving importance towards the Qur'an. Giving importance towards it in terms of learning it. Giving importance towards it in terms of reflecting over it. Giving importance towards it in terms of acting upon it.
giving importance towards the Quran in terms of learning it, reflecting upon it, acting upon it, so that it may be a proof for a person. It may be a proof for a person. Yani, proof for him, not against him in the afterlife. Number eight, in this hadith, there is a cautioning against being neglectful concerning the Quran. In this hadith, there is a cautioning concerning being neglectful towards the Quran. Lest it be a proof against you. In this hadith, there is a cautioning against being neglectful towards the Quran. Otherwise, it will be a proof against you. Number nine, there are ten benefits in this, uh, in this part. Number nine, an encouragement towards every righteous deed by which a person can free himself, free himself and save himself from humiliation in this life and punishment in the afterlife. In this hadith, there is an encouragement in doing every action by way of which a person can save himself from humiliation in this life and from punishment in the afterlife. Number 10, in this hadith, there is a warning against every evil action that can make a person into the awliya of shaitan. Every evil action that can make a person from the allies of shaitan and lead him to the fire of hell. In this hadith, there is a warning against every evil action that can turn a person into a ally, an ally of shaitan and take him to the fire of hell. Anything need repeating from these 10 points? No? Excellent. Imam Ikhwan, let's move on to the Al Hadith Al Rami Wal Ishroon, Hadith number 24. How much time has that? 40, 4 0. You sure? 30 minutes. Okay, so what we'll do is we'll read this hadith and we'll uh, mention the translation of this hadith and then we'll uh, continue next week as far as the explanation of this hadith is concerned because it's a lengthy hadith so just the translation of this hadith may take a few minutes عن أبي ذر الغفاري رضي الله تعالى عنه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فيما يرويه عن ربه عز وجل أنه قال So on the authority of Abu Dharr al-Ghifari, from the Prophet ﷺ, concerning what he related from his Lord Azza wa Jal, concerning what the Prophet ﷺ related, narrated from his Lord Azza wa Jal, yani what the Prophet related from what Allah had said. The Prophet then said, yani relating from Allah Jalla wa'az, 
Ya ibadi, O my slaves, Inni harramtu al-dhulma ala nafsi. Indeed, I have made oppression haram upon myself. I have forbidden oppression upon myself. Yani, I have made it haram for me to oppress. I have made it haram for me to oppress. وَجَعَلْتُهُ بَيْنَكُمْ مُحَرَّمًا And I've made oppression haram between you. Between you. I've made haram, I've made oppression haram upon myself to commit. And I've made, haram, made uh, oppression haram for you to commit between yourselves. Mutual oppression, I've made it haram. فَلَا تَظَالَمُوا And therefore do not oppress each other. Ya ibadi, Allah says Ya ibadi ten times in this hadith Qudsi. Ya ibadi, kullukum dalun illa man hadaytuhu fastahduni ahdikum. Oh my slaves, all of you are misguided, astray, except the one that I have guided, except for the one that I have guided. Therefore seek guidance from me and I shall guide you all. Ya ibadi, kullukum ja'i'un illa man at'amtuhu fastat'imuni at'imkum O my slaves, all of you are starving, hungry except the one that I have fed therefore seek food from me and I shall feed you Ya ibadi, O my slaves kullukum arin all of you are naked, except for the one that I have clothed. Therefore seek clothing from me. Ask me for your garments. Seek clothing from me and I shall clothe you. Ya ibadi, O my slaves, innakum tukhti'una bil-layli wal-nahar. O my slaves, indeed you Commit mistakes, يعني you sin, night and day. And I forgive all sins. I forgive sins in their entirety. I forgive all sins. Therefore seek forgiveness from me and then I shall forgive you. Ya ibadi, O my slaves, إِنَّكُمْ لَن تَبْلُغُوا ضُرِّي فَتَضُرُّونِي وَلَن تَبْلُغُوا نَفْعِي فَتَنْفَعُونِي O my slaves, you'll never be able to reach my harm. يعني you'll never be able to reach a level where you can harm me and thus you'll harm me. And you'll never be able to reach a level of benefiting me and thus benefit me. يا عبادي O my slaves, لو أن أولكم وآخركم وإنسكم وجنكم كانوا على أتقى قلب رجل واحد منكم ما زاد ذلك في ملكي شيئا O my slaves if the first of you and the last of you the human of you and the jinn of you had the most pious heart of the most pious man among you that would not increase my kingdom in anything 
يا عبادي او ماي سلايفز لو ان اولكم واخركم وانتكم وجنكم كان على افجر قلب رجل واحد منكم ما نقص ذلك من ملكي شيئا او ماي سلايفز if the first of you and the last of you the human of you and the jinn of you had the heart of the most evil man among you that would not decrease my kingdom in anything ya ibadi o my slaves لو ان اولكم واخركم وانسكم وجنكم قاموا في صعيد واحد فسالوني فاعطيت كل ان فاعطيت كل واحد مسالته ما نقص ذلك مما عندي الا كما ينقص المخيط اذا ادخل البحر او ماي سليفز if the first of you and the last of you and the human of you and the jinn of you were to stand all of, all of you were to stand together in one open land one open ground and then ask me of something each and every single one of you from adam alayhi salam all the way to the last human being all the way to the last jinn upon the face of this earth from the first of the jinn all the way to the last of the jinn from the first of humankind to the last of humankind every single one of them was to gather together upon one single plain one single land put forth a request to me ask me of something and then if i was to give each and every single individual his request that would not decrease what is with me no more than a needle decreases the sea when it is dipped inside of it ya ibadi o my slaves inma hiya a'malukum uhsiha lakum thumma uwafikum iyaha o my slaves it is only your actions that i shall take you to account for thumma uwafikum iyaha and then i shall recompense you in that regard فمن وجد خيرا فليحمد الله ومن وجد غير ذلك فلا يلومن الا نفسه so whoever finds good at that point whoever finds good when he is repaid reimbursed for what he did in this life whoever finds good when he is repaid for his actions whoever finds good فليحمد الله then let him praise Allah ومن وجد غير ذلك and whoever finds anything besides that whoever finds anything besides the good pleasure of allah the reward of allah in the afterlife then let him blame nobody except himself so this hadith here it is divided as far as sheikh abdul muhsin abad's explanation is concerned into 10 parts the 10th part obviously being summary of the benefits inshallah ta'ala we'll continue with this hadith next week so unless there's any questions or clarifications or corrections then we'll conclude at this point wallahu ta'ala a'lam wa sallallahu ma'ala nabiyyina muhammad walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen